You are listening to The Rooted Podcast, a conversation advancing gospel-centered youth ministry. This session was recorded at the Rooted 2016 conference in San Diego, California. Registration is now open for our 2017 conference in Dallas. Our annual conference features great preaching, engaging biblical teaching, practical workshops, and sincere worship. It is great for anyone involved in ministry to youth, including parents. To learn more, visit www.rootedministry.com. Thank you, Cameron. And I can't begin to tell you what a pleasure it is uh, to be here. I'm just sorry that you couldn't find a uh, more relaxing and pleasant venue. Uh, I'm from the other San Diego, Escondido, the dry and dusty and 30 degrees hotter than La Jolla, part of uh, San Diego, uh, teaching at Westminster Seminary, California there. And uh, it's just a real pleasure to know about Rooted and to follow this as the Lord is blessing it and it's taking off because, you know, you don't need me to tell you, man, this thing is won or lost uh, at the level of what you all do. Uh, out there in the field, working with the next generation. Not the next generation of Christians. They are the church now uh, and have been since the Lord brought them in uh, to be part of his flock. But what you're doing is really passing the baton from one generation to the next. And so I have great admiration for you and for the work that you do, and I'm honored to be uh, able to worship with you tonight. Um Cameron asked us uh, to go through 2 Corinthians 5, and I was assigned uh, verse 18, if I'm correct. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I'm not going to unpack that verse. I'm going to use it as a launching pad to explore other passages. And as I thought about this verse, I thought, why not go back to the Great Commission? Uh, because very often when we hear Great Commission speeches, we just feel more burdened, don't we? There are, more, there are opportunities, once again, for us to recognize what we're not doing uh, or at least not doing well. And I want to turn that around and challenge uh, some things about our thinking along those lines. And, and it fits very well with that verse, however. All this salvation that we have in Christ is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, no one has to be taught Pelagianism. The heresy of self-salvation is in our genes. Uh, no one has to be taught that we're basically good people who could be a little bit better, and here's how, and you know, how you could be a better you, and, and a few steps, uh, you could have a, a better uh happier, more fulfilling life and whiter teeth and so forth. No one has to be taught the pull yourself up by your bootstraps theology. That's something that we all have in us by nature and we keep falling back to it. It's our default setting. We have to constantly be converted out of that. Regularly. That's why we cling to the word and the sacraments and the life of the church. 
That's why we need brothers and sisters who stand outside of us, calling us out of ourselves to cling to Christ in faith and to our neighbors in love. I suspect that that all of you who are here uh, recognize that you're struggling Pelagians. That we're all sort of like this. This is our default setting. But you know the gospel of grace. You know what has the power to call you constantly out of that and look to Christ, the author and finisher of your faith. But it's so easy, so easy when it comes to the message to say, I'm going to be faithful to that message of salvation by grace alone and faith alone uh, uh, in Christ alone through faith alone. I'm going to be faithful to that message and yet take a pull-yourself-up-by-your-own-bootstraps theological approach to our own ministry. We can separate the message from the mission in all sorts of ways. And what's interesting about that text uh, is that the gospel itself is linked to the ministry. All of this is from God who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This really has the potential to free us from thinking of the ministry as a burden. Now, it is a burden. And as I'll, I'll point out here, there's a lot to do. No one has to tell you that part. You know there's a lot to do. But at the end of the day, the ministry is not something to do that is a burden. At the end of the day, it's something we've received as a gift. And we have to be reminded of that again and again, when it comes to our own sense of identity and mission as pastors and teachers, we too easily imagine that the kingdom is something that we are building, or at least our part of it. Talk about living the gospel, even being the gospel. Well, who can pull that off? There's only one person in the history of the world who's ever been able to pull that off, and he happens to be the Messiah. The rest of us can't live the gospel. We can live in the light of the gospel, pointing to the gospel, be an aroma, drawing others to the gospel, hopefully pointing people to the gospel. But we can't be the gospel. The gospel is an announcement of what God has done in Christ. Or you hear people say, we're Christ's ongoing incarnation. Well, now that's quite a head trip. <laughs> Wow, really, we are Christ's ongoing incarnation. Now, I know what some people mean by that. We are representatives of Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ. But sometimes, you know, we, we lose that distinction between Christ and his mission, which is qualitatively different from us and our mission. Because he accomplished his mission, we're given one as a gift. Our mission is qualitatively different from the mission of Jesus Christ. And as a rule, this isn't very sophisticated, but it's, it, it's easy for us to lose sight of. As a rule, it's very bad for us to confuse ourselves with Jesus. Just scribble that down, write that, tuck that away, and maybe uh, pull it out every now and again. Repeatedly, Jesus and his apostles described the kingdom as a gift that we are receiving. 
I found it strange when I started going through passages, sort of looking for that theme. And then I started looking for those passages that it must be, because I've heard it so many times, about us building the kingdom. What about those verses? Well, there weren't any of those, it turns out. But here are the verses that I found. The world will persecute the church, Jesus tells his disciples. Nevertheless, fear not, little flock. First of all, isn't that just it? Tender? Fear not, little flock. Church is always really a little flock. Fear not, little flock. For it is the Father's good pleasure to give you a kingdom. You know, we're really timid right now. We're, we're kind of nervous about what the future holds. And, and maybe we're nervous about what the future holds for Christians particularly. And Jesus says, fear not, little flock. Don't you realize? It's the Father's good pleasure to give you a kingdom. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Don't call it your church. Don't say pastor so-and-so's church. I go to pastor so-and-so's church. All right, this is my ministry. You hear pastors sometimes talk like that when they get together. Well, you know, I'm really concerned about my ministry, and I, I want to see my, it's like my career. But no, 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 ministry. It's not your ministry. It's not your church. You're not building a kingdom. You're receiving one. Through everything that you do, Sometimes it's very tiring, very wearying. Sometimes brings you to the brink of despair. All of that is actually part of receiving a kingdom and helping others receive it as well. All other empires that are built in history can and will pass away. But the writer to the Hebrews says we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. All the others that we're building will be. But this one cannot be shaken because we're not building it. Christ himself is the gift along with his spirit. And because the, the church is brought into being sustained and grows to the ends of the earth through the preaching of the gospel, baptism and the Eucharist, all of these are conveyors of a gift. The very form of these means of grace that Christ has ordained for us are meant to underscore the fact that we are receiving a kingdom, not building one. So there's plenty for us to do, but before we can go, there's something for us to receive, something for us to hear. And we take that for granted. You know, yeah, sure, okay, it's a kingdom that we're receiving. And then we go back next week to building a kingdom. This is something we have to come back to again and again and again. I remember missions conference that started with the uh, the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and so forth. But that's not actually how the Great Commission starts, as you know. The Great Commission actually begins. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And it's so important that we begin with that great announcement before we get to the great mission statement. I'm very impulsive. I'm a kind of get-her-done kind of guy. My wife thinks that that's probably uh, in Latin the uh, inscription for my family. Uh, 
just get her done. Um, you know, I, I the other day took a uh, uh, check to the bank, not knowing how to do the other kind of deposits yet. And uh, I, I was about halfway there, drove back, and my wife was standing at the door, handed me the check. Uh, you know, just go. Well, before we go, we have to sit down, be quiet, and let someone tell us, first of all, the good news that makes us go in the first place. God is the original missionary, and he's been doing it for a long time. Beginning in creation, with the calling of Israel, through the prophets, anticipating the new covenant and the consummation, when one day... People from every tribe and kindred and tongue and people and nation will be thronged around the throne singing holy, holy, holy to the Lamb who was slain. The triune God has already accomplished our redemption from sin, judgment, Satan, and death. It is not because of the cooperation between God and us But ultimately, it is the cooperation of the three persons of the Holy Trinity with each other that brings us here and gives us the wonderful opportunity to bring this message, this gospel, to the dear people we associate with on a regular basis. We get to be ambassadors. We're not the king writing the mission statement. We're ambassadors delivering the terms. And that's why Paul likens himself to an ambassador, making God's, God making his appeal through us. So because he's finished his mission, we have a mission that's guaranteed success. Isn't that amazingly encouraging? I mean, we, we never in the ministry feel like our work is done, do we? I mean, we, we're always wondering. If we, if we blew it the last time we got up and spoke, the last time uh, we were uh, managing an event, the last time we were talking to a young person uh, or an older person, uh, counseling them, we just, we're, we're, we're always hard on ourselves. And yet, everything that we do is guaranteed success ultimately. Even when we botch it, God working it together for good, because Christ has already accomplished our salvation. Before we go, we have to hear again, all authority in heaven and earth belongs to me. Therefore, go. In his opening vision in the apocalypse, John hears these words from the glorified son. Fear not, I am the first and the last And the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and hell. Again, we look around and we think, wow, a lot of people claim to have the keys to the, to the things that really matter in, in, in life and in death. They seem to hold a lot of power. And yet, Jesus says, I am the first and the last. I died, I was raised, and I hold the keys of death and Hades in my hand. 
And so we go because he came and accomplished everything that the Father gave him to do. Throughout John's Gospel, we get a, a, a better idea of what it means for all authority to be given to him. There are a few passages especially worth uh, touching on, especially in chapter 6, 10, and 17, where Jesus refers to having accomplished all of the purposes that the Father gave him from all eternity. I came not to do my my own will, he says, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all he has given me, I will lose nothing but raise it up at the last day. Not one will be lost. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We talk about making Jesus Savior and Lord. Huh? We don't make Jesus Savior. And Lord, it's because he is Savior and Lord that he makes us his little brothers and sisters. That's good news. As is Jesus' promise, I give my life for the sheep. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it back up again. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then in his high priestly prayer, you gave me authority over all flesh so that I may give eternal life to those you have given me. For they are yours and you gave them to me. And so Jesus didn't come to make salvation possible for everybody who would kind of get on board and and, and sort of do their best. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus accomplished the redemption of his people. Now, of course, we show evidence of the new birth. We, we are raised spiritually by the Holy Spirit without our aid while we're dead in trespasses and sins. But in conversion, faith and repentance, we're the ones believing it's a gift but we're the ones believing, we're the ones who repent. God doesn't repent for us. We repent, we believe, and yet it's all a gift. And then there is plenty for us to do as a result of all of this. But none of that matters unless Jesus Christ has already won the war. None of that matters unless all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. You know, that's why... That's why the apostles could endure all of their persecution and all of their suffering, all that they went through. Because they knew, as we read in Acts, the Lord opened the heart of Lydia to respond to the things spoken of by Paul. You know that, don't you? You know that you can't possibly raise the dead. But you know, like Ezekiel, you can prophesy to the bones, you can preach to the bones... And the Holy Spirit will use that medium in order to raise the dead and to build his church. And so it's all authority in all places, all authority in heaven and on earth. Uh, you know, this is, this is partly what the disciples misunderstood all the way up to the point of the uh, Ascension. The Gospels interpret the events of Jesus' life 
in the context of Israel's founding events. Uh, it is the it is the new exodus. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. We read in the account of the transfiguration for his exodus. And, and Jesus was drowned in the sea so that we could be saved. And he came back through the waters, up through the waters in newness of life as the firstborn of, of many brothers and sisters. And then there's the conquest. So you could imagine the, the disciples after Jesus' resurrection saying, okay, now we finally understand the Emmaus Road and all that. We, in those 40 days of Jesus uh, taking them to his personal seminary. Now we get the Exodus. It's so much bigger than we thought it was going to be. But they didn't get the conquest. They were still thinking that Jesus, now that he's raised, we can get past all of that death and resurrection. Okay, good. That's past. Now, what about the conquest? Now, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Their last question before Jesus ascends, which proves that they're Jews. I would have asked stupid questions. Uh, I would have asked Gentile questions. Uh, does my dog go to heaven? You know, are we the same age in heaven? Uh, will I know Uncle Sully? Uh, those would be my questions, but they were asking a perfectly Jewish question. Now, conquest? You're going to redo the book of Joshua? And Jesus says, you have no idea. It's not a sliver of real estate in the Middle East. The whole earth I'm going to give you. I'm going to the right hand of the Father, and I'm going to, from that throne of all power and authority, send the Holy Spirit to lead the ground campaign on earth. And through the Spirit and the Word, you will conquer from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the utter, uttermost parts of the earth. I have bound the strong man. I'm looting his house on earth, taking back what rightfully belongs to me. All authority in heaven and earth belongs to me. Now, Caesar was, of course, perfectly happy for all authority to belong uh, to Jesus when it came to heaven. That's whatever. There are all kinds of religions around that, that, that promise pie in the sky by and by. As long as they recognize I have all authority on earth. What a striking and even dangerous thing. Not only for Jesus to say, but for his disciples to continue to say that all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus. When Caesar's title was Savior and Lord. It has all been given to me, not just because he's God, but because he's the faithful and victorious last Adam, as the writer, uh, as, as uh, Paul says in Philippians, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, not just because he's God, though that's certainly true, but therefore, because he humbled himself, went lower than any human has ever lowered himself or herself. Therefore, God has highly exalted him 
and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so that's what grounds the mission statement. Go, therefore, into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all the nations. Tomorrow I'll talk about the strategic plan part of that. But here, with the mission statement, what grounds it all is that Jesus has already won a kingdom. He has already bound the strong man. He has already entered into heaven saying, here I am with the children you have given me. He's already taken his seat of all power and authority over death and hell and Satan and is now calling his people from every corner of the world by the power of the Holy Spirit through his word. And this mission is deep as well as wide. Make disciples. Not converts, but disciples. For something this rich, something this big, to be receiving a kingdom, people need to really become disciples for this. They, they need a lifetime to get to digest this one, that they are recipients of a kingdom. I mean, we come to church for a lot of reasons, but one central reason for coming to church is because there's going to be some lawyer there, an ambassador, who's going to be reading the will to you as the next of kin. Now that Christ's last will and testament has gone into effect with his death. You need to hear week after week after week what you have inherited because of the death of Jesus. What kingdom, what estate you have received. And that's what you get to do every week with those to whom you minister. What a wonderful privilege to get to be that lawyer, not that lawyer duking it out with family law, which sometimes is, it just, you know, makes you go home crying, weeping, but that you get to be the lawyer who reads the good news to the heirs of the estate, particularly when this one who died has been raised. We're apprentices. We're students. How, you know, however you want to think, think of this discipleship, it's more like an apprentice than a than, than, than a, a, a student in school. But it's a mixture of both. But you think of Mary and Martha. You know. Um, of, of, of Martha uh, being so worried about the ministry and Mary, her sister, sitting at Jesus' feet, learning as a disciple. And she says, you know, uh, I'm a kind of a get-her-done person, and my sister over there is, uh, she's, she likes going to conferences. You know, she, she just, you know, sometimes she just, she sits there and reads. And she likes, you know, listening to, uh, to sermons. And she's, 
you know, one of these days she's going to realize I'm the only one here. I'm the only one doing all of this stuff. Jesus, would you please tell her that she needs to become a real Christian worker like me? And you know Jesus' response. You've heard this a million times, but it's just so sweet every time we hear it. Oh, Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. You're really tightly wound, aren't you? That's sort of my paraphrase. You're really uh, worried about many things. No problem. Mary has chosen the better part. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you ever... Do you ever get tired? Do you ever get tired? Well, we all get tired, but do you ever get tired of this one? Do you ever get tired of standing as a representative of Jesus Christ and saying to the people you minister to in his name, come unto me, all you who are tired and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you will find rest for your souls. The mission statement is deep. Make disciples, not just converts. But then finally, my last point, it's wide of all nations. The worldwide family of Abraham, finally. Abraham, the father of many nations. Not just the father of an ethnic seed who will be so vast that they, they will number more than the stars of the heavens or the sands of the seashore. But in one seed, Christ, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In the Old Covenant, Gentiles come to Jerusalem if they want to become part of the people of God. But now in the New Covenant, the, you have Jews going out from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth. The kingdom of God is not is not a piece of territory in the Middle East. The kingdom of God is the whole earth, and the conquest is by his word and spirit, not by the sword. And as if that weren't enough, Jesus sandwiches the imperative of this mission statement with the announcement, all authority in heaven has, and earth has been given to me. And with the further assurance, and lo, when you go, remember, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you have given us so great a salvation And yet we find it so easy to disconnect that great salvation, that great message that we proclaim from our lives as ministers of that reconciliation. So easy for us to at least act like or feel like we are building a kingdom rather than receiving one. 
that we are building your church instead of being ambassadors in the church that you are building. Help us, Father, once again to appreciate that very simple but easily forgettable truth that the only reason we have anywhere to go is because all authority in heaven and earth has already been given to him. Thank you for this precious ministry that you've given to us as a gift, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen.